Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Hey, Philippians chapter 2, if you have your Bible, I started a sermon series last week entitled Family 101, start here, because what we're doing is we're not talking about um, uh, family roles, how to be a good mom, dad, husband, wife. We're talking about what are the basics. we got to start here. These are things you need to get right in order you, you can go on a little further. So this is Family 101. This is Relationship 101 inside the family dynamic. And so last week we talked about how to communicate inside the home. Today, from Philippians chapter 2, I want to preach on this subject Attitude adjustment. Some of you've probably said that to your teenagers a time or two, right? You said, hey, young lady, you need an attitude adjustment, and you said it while you had a fly swatter in your hand, right? Like you were going that well. The Bible tells us a little bit about attitude adjustment. We'll read there in just a moment in Philippians chapter 2. You're going to be shocked by this, but I read a, I read a, a research this week about attitude. And here's some things I found out that a good attitude can add years to your life. Uh, For example, the Carnegie Mellon University did a study of 193 people. I love this. They took 193 healthy people, and they interviewed them to find out if they were typically a person with a good attitude or a person with a bad attitude. And after they found that out and they went ahead and determined what category they fell in, they injected these people with a cold and flu virus, a little sadistic, And then they put them in solitary confinement and they monitored them. And here's specifically what they monitored. Over the next few days, they monitored their their symptoms and get this, their mucus production from their tissues. By the way, wouldn't you want that job, a mucus measurer? You know, that'd be awesome, right? Here's what they discovered, that people who had, who had been already identified as a good attitude had fewer symptoms and produced less mucus than those who had a bad attitude. A 30-year study of almost 500 people at the Mayo Clinic found that uh, people with a good attitude had a 50% lower risk of early death than people with a bad attitude. They studied 660 elderly people and found out that elderly people who have a good attitude about life live on average seven and a half years longer than those with bad attitudes. A Dutch study did a a study and they found out that among elderly people that you have a 77% lower risk of having heart disease if you have a good attitude. You say, well, Richard, how can all that be? Well, here's what they determined, that what happens is people with good attitudes are able to deal with life better. They don't get wound up. They don't get get as anxious. They don't get as riled up as other people. And because of that, they have less stress in their life. And here's what we know. Stress is caused a major ager. And studies have shown it can be as bad as as smoking, it can be as bad as obesity uh, in your health. And so here's what they've determined, that if you have a good attitude about life, you'll, you'll deal with things better, you'll have less stress in your life, and get this, stress causes inflammation in your body. And inflammation leads to things like the heart disease and illness and a whole sort of other things. So here's what they said, having a good attitude means you don't get stressed out as much in day to day life which means you don't have as much inflammation in your body, 
which means the fact is, chances are, you'll live longer. All because of a good attitude. See, your bad attitude is really killing you. I want to tell you, when it comes to the family dynamic, the same is exactly true inside the family unit, that many a family has been sabotaged by a bad attitude coming from a spouse, coming from a parent, coming from a teenager. Now, I don't have an exhaustive list today, but attitudes like always being the victim, that's a bad attitude. An attitude of living in continual drama. If you are living in continual drama, that's on you, my youngest daughter Here today, when she was a little girl, she would say about other girls, Daddy, Mama, they are dramatized. (laughs) Dramatized meant you had too much drama going on in your life all the time. Never accepting correction, tearing others down, only seeing the negative, rudeness, disrespect, immaturity, selfishness, meanness, jealousy, constant anger. All of those are destructive to any relationship, but they are incredibly destructive inside the family unit and they create enormous enormous amounts of stress for all involved and it damages all it touches. So does the Bible say anything about our attitudes? And it does. So let's stand together and look in Philippians chapter 2. Let's stand in honor of reading God's word. Look in Philippians chapter 2 verse number 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy. By being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind, now look in verse number five, because I'll explain it again in just a moment, but I read out of a New King James most every Sunday, and New King James and King James translate verse number five, let this mind be in you, but almost any other translation Translate it, let let this attitude be in you. And really, I'll talk about it in just a moment. We'll break the word down a little bit. The word attitude is better translation. So verse number five is really starting off by saying this. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Thank you. You may be seated. Let me walk you through those verses and just make some quick attitude observations at the end. Philippians 2 is more, it's one of the most famous uh, chapters in the Bible, but really it's more famous beginning at verse number 9 where it says, God therefore has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That, that phrase beginning in verse, uh, uh, verse 9 through verse 11 is the most famous, but verse 9 through verse 11 take place because of what happens in verses 1 through 8. What I want to do today is start with verse number 5. I'm going to go back and mention the other verses, but I want to start and expound beginning at verse number 5. Because he said, let this attitude be in you. The word attitude is a mindset. Be minded this way. Have your affections this way. The word attitude in the Greek means that it's not just how you think, but it's how you think and how you are displaying that thinking outwardly. So here's what attitude is. It's how I'm thinking on the inside 
And then how I'm expressing that thinking on the outside is what you see as my attitude. And so he comes along, he gives us a direct command, you should have the attitude of Christ. The New Living Translation says this, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. So then he goes on in verse number six to begin to explain Jesus' attitude. Who says being in the form of God in verse number 6. And that word form there meant he has always been in the form. Meaning this, he always was God. He's always existed as God. And he always will be God. Can I get an amen right there? And then it says he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Meaning that he did not regard his divine equality as a prize which he had to hold on to. He didn't believe that he couldn't let it go. So verse number six tells us Jesus, who always has been God, who was God, who is God, who always will be God, who it was no big deal that he was God, like he was God. Verse number seven tells us that same deity, that same Jesus, made himself of no reputation. It's the word kino in the Greek. It's kenosis is is the verb of the word, and it means that he emptied himself. It's literally a total emptying, emptying, that he poured out himself, he emptied himself, that he abandoned his sovereign position. Notice, he did not abandon his deity. He did not give up his divine attributes, but he abandoned the position of sovereignty. So he made himself of no reputation. He poured himself out. And took on the form of a bondservant. The word in the Greek is doulios. It was the lowest form of servant there was. And it means that he gave up all of his rights. Listen, all of his rights as the sovereign of the universe. And verse number 7 concludes by telling us he came in the likeness of men. We call that the incarnation that somehow Jesus was all God, devoid of his position. But yet, verse 7 tells us he was all man and had given up all of his rights. And then verse number 8 tells us that being found in appearance as a man. The word being found there is a great word. It's only a few times in the Greek. And I don't know if you've heard of the uh, famed scientist Archimedes. Archimedes was a scientist just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and he kind of developed, uh, uh, he kind of almost got pi right, you know, 3.1415, all that. He almost got pi right. He, he kind of was the forerunner of calculus. He kind of gave us some formulas that led us to develop calculus later on. But Archimedes was also the scientist that discovered how to tell how pure gold was. And so it is said when Archimedes discovered how, how he could tell how pure gold was, that the Greek word he shouted was the word that's in the Bible in verse number 8, and the Greek word is eureka. And if you know anything about the California gold rush, that was the theme of the California gold rush, eureka. And so Jesus, verse number 8 tells us that all of heaven looked down and went, what? God became a man. All of, all of earth looked at Jesus and said, what? God became a man. But it goes, Father, he humbled himself. It means to make yourself low, to reduce your rank. And became obedient to another. He gave up his authority. And became obedient even to death. But Paul adds another phrase. 
even to the death on the cross. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He just didn't die. He died the most horrific form of death in existence at the time. The Roman Roman did not like to crucify people. They did, but it was reserved for the worst of criminals and for the most heinous crimes. And Jesus Christ humbled himself and willingly walked to death, even the death of the cross. Now, can I say something about those verses, verses 5 through 8? There is such theological implication. Entire volumes of books have been written on just those few verses, and there's so much in there. But I want to back it out of the rim of theology because I want us to look at the pragmatic because Jesus, the Bible has a way of giving us all that great theology, but then talking about where the rubber meets the road. And he gives us some things about attitude in there because anytime the Bible says, says let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, we have to pay attention because that's a command. It's a command from God for you to have the attitude of Christ. And I want to tell you here this morning, if your family is struggling, if your family is hurting, if your family is not clicking on all cylinders, can I tell you something? You without a doubt have an attitude problem somewhere in your home. You without a doubt need an attitude adjustment in your home. And it may be mom, it may be dad, it may be teenagers, it may be parents, it may be everybody at this point has got a bad attitude. So how do we deal with that? Well, there's three things this passage would say to us about attitude. Number one is this. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad days. Now, I love where this phrase is. It, the passage ends in verse number eight with Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. So humanly speaking, the story doesn't end well. We're told that we are to have the same attitude Christ had while he was headed towards the cross. Now, let me tell you about Christ headed towards the cross. The sins of the whole world are going to be placed on him. Hey, how many of you feel guilty when you do something wrong? Let me see your hand. You feel guilty? You ever feel guilty? Some of you got a little guilt going on right now. Man, you said something you shouldn't have said. You did something you shouldn't have did. Can I tell you this? Here's what theology tells us that All the guilt and shame of every sin that has ever been committed was placed on the shoulders of Christ on the cross of Calvary. We can't even comprehend that. All of the sin, all of the guilt, all of the shame of the whole world was placed on Christ. It was such emotional torture and such spiritual torture. We can't even describe it. And that doesn't count the physical torture of the cross because when we read the Gospels and the story of the cross, we tend to major on the physical because we can wrap our minds around that a little bit. But when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was not the physical torture he was dreading. It was the emotional and spiritual torture of the shame and the sin of of our sins being placed on him on the cross. And so Jesus is marching to the cross. He's having all of that placed on him. He's having all of that done to him. And as he's marching to the cross, here's what Paul said. You have the same attitude Christ had. And here's the lesson you have to learn about your attitude is that your attitude is not and should not be dependent on your circumstances. You know, you're going to have bad news. You're going to miss out. You're going to lose. You're going to come in last. You're not going to get your way. You're going to have a bad day. But you having a bad day should never, ever translate into a bad attitude. And you can have one without the other. And by the way, it's not what happens to you. It's what happens in you that determines your attitude. The external can be chaos, but the internal can be calm. 
The outside can be hot, but the inside can be cool. And I just want to be honest, you are going to have a bad day. Your, things are not going to work out for you. You are not going to get your way. You're going to not get something you want. But that should never translate into a bad attitude because Jesus walked to the cross with the right attitude. 1997, one of the first videos that we know of that went what we would call today went viral, went viral in 1997. Now, for those of you who were not born in 1997, you have to explain that a little bit because there was no YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, anything like that. None of that existed. So how did a video go viral? Well, in 1997, when a video went viral, you had to email it as an attachment to somebody. They downloaded it on their computer, and they played it on Windows Media Player and Real Player. How many of you remember Windows Media Player and Real Player? How many of you remember waiting a day and a half for something to download? Do you remember those days? Listen, 1997, all we had was 14.4 dial-up. Remember that? Remember that noise? This video went viral. Now, I want to show you. The, the, the video I'm about to show you, uh, it, the front part and the last part are that video that went viral. Is somebody having a bad day. But somebody put a mashup together of a lot of people from security cams who were having bad days. And so, listen, that video that went viral was actually a fake video made by a tech company, and they handed it out on CDs at trade shows, but nobody knew it at the time. They thought it was real. But the majority of what you're going to see is legit from security cameras, from people having a bad day. Let's watch it. say amen, right? Like you, yeah, that's right. I loved all the people just watching somebody else explode and just looking at them like, you know, what am I supposed to do? But the fact is we've all had that kind of day. But listen, you're going to have a bad day, but you can't let it control your attitude. You can't take the sledgehammer, metaphorically speaking, to your husband, to your wife, to your kids, to your parents, because your day didn't go well. Jesus was walking toward the cross but had a good attitude, one that pleased God the whole time. And so can you say, preacher, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, you can through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. God would not give you a command you could not do. And listen, we shine the brightest when our attitudes are good in the darkness. And family 101 is your bad day can't turn into a bad attitude with your family. And so there are times that before you drive up, you need to stop and you need to say to God, God, I need an attitude adjustment before I walk in the house. There are times you may need to walk out of the room and you may say to God, God, I need an attitude adjustment before I say another word. Whatever it may take. You're going to have bad days. Number two, the second thing this tells us is you have to give up to be up. Jesus emptied himself of his sovereign position. He gave up more than anyone else could for the good of mankind. And here's the fact. Most of us have a bad attitude when we feel like we are owed something 
that we're not being given. So here's the cure for that. Follow Jesus and give it up. Your family is more important than some specific thing you think you are due. That's why the Bible said that he, he, humble is the word the Bible uses for Jesus. That a husband gives up his rights in order to serve his wife. A wife does the same. The kids do the same. The parents do the same. And here's the secret to a great attitude from Jesus. Don't be a taker, but be a giver. A giver's attitude is always better. A taker only wants more and is never satisfied. And a taker develops a bad attitude. A, a humble giver always has a better attitude. Time Magazine did a study and they found that older people who are generous tend to have better health and research. As a matter of fact, they discovered when they did the research that spending money on others is as effective as exercise and medication for lowering your blood pressure and it makes you live longer. So get this, men, today's Mother's Day, spending money on others lowers your blood pressure. As a matter of fact, they did a two-decade study. You know what they determined? They were trying to prove that getting gives you a good attitude and makes you live long. You know what they discovered? That receiving gifts has no effect on your well-being, emotional or physical. It was always the giving that made a difference. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell us in this passage. He gave up. He surrendered his rights. He became a servant. And if you want to give up that bad attitude, start by giving to others in the family. If you want to be happy, if you want to have a good attitude, do what Jesus did and be more concerned with giving than getting. Matter of fact, look back in your Bibles and look at verse number three. We didn't expound on these. I didn't have time, but look at verse number three. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you, verse four, look out not only for his own interests. Here's a verse that'll change your family. But also for the interest of others. Family one-on-one, attitude adjustment one-on-one is this. If you want to have a right attitude, quit demanding, quit taking, quit wanting, and start giving. Number three, here's what the Bible would tell us about our attitudes and our families. Number three, you alone control your attitude. You alone control your attitude. If you're taking notes, just write that down and close your Bibles and look this way. I'm going to wrap up just in a couple minutes. Here's what the Bible says. That Jesus is really important for you to hear. Humbled himself. And here's what we know from that phrase. That you alone control your attitude. Mom, you control your attitude, not your kids, not your husband. Dad, you control your attitude, not your wife, not your kids. Teens, you control your attitude, not your parents, not your friends. See, attitude adjustment one-on-one for your family is don't blame others when your attitude has gone south. You own it and you do something about it. And until you own your attitude, you can't do anything about it. Listen, as long as I'm blaming you, then my attitude is not my problem. Hey, this is going to be a shock to some of you, but uh, I can stand to lose a couple pounds. 
That wasn't supposed to be funny. Now, I'm just saying, <laughs> I accidentally lose a couple pounds. And um, I've tried. I've actually, Michaela got married about a year ago, and I've, I lost weight for the wedding, and I've been putting it back on. It's just harder to get off. I'm 50 now. That's my excuse. But, but really, I want to be honest with you, I'm not losing weight, and it's not my fault. It's not. It's not my fault. As a matter of fact, it is the fault of the Pringles company. So much salty goodness, I can't say no. It's the fault of the Doritos company because those things are full of cheesy delight. It's the fault of the Moon Pie Company because those things are just sugary sweetness to my soul. And I'll be honest with you, until they get their act together and start making food that tastes bad, it's all their fault, not mine. Right? If Pringles tasted like broccoli, we'd all be skinny, wouldn't we? Right? Right? If Doritos tasted like asparagus, I wouldn't keep a bag hid in my truck in the compartment that Sherry doesn't know about. If moon pies tasted like dog poo, I wouldn't have them all over the house. It's not my fault. It's theirs. Or maybe I could eat less. One of those two is, is going to happen. You say, well, that's silly, preacher. Well, that's the way we do with our attitude. Preacher, I'd have a good attitude and my kids would be nicer. Uh, preacher, I'd have a good attitude and my parents were better to me. Uh, preacher, I'd have a good attitude, but my wife is in a bad mood. Listen, you alone are responsible for your attitude. And family 101 is you own your attitude. And if you need an attitude adjustment, that's all on you, not them. Here's the fact. Bad attitudes are ruining our family. Here's the fact, a good attitude is the building block to success. So here's the whole sermon. You're going to have bad days. Don't let that ruin your attitude. You, you, look, I'm preaching this sermon today. I'll probably have a bad, something will go wrong for me today. It always does when I preach stuff like this. I don't know why I do it, but I, I, God's kind of giving me sermons, and, and I'll have a bad day. And you know what? I, that's Bad days don't determine your attitude. You're going to have to give up to be up because you've got to learn to give instead of take. And three, you've got alone control your attitude. So here's the truth. You own your attitude. So it's on you to make it a good attitude. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.